Acts is where we continue the mission of spreading the good news. That good news is that Jesus is alive, that he defeated death. That Jesus is alive, that he defeated death. And if we believe in our hearts, confess with our mouths, and surrender and commit our lives to that promise to G- uh, that Jesus is who he says he is, that we too can be saved. And that's our, that's our goal. The Great Commission is just that, to go, to go into all nations, wherever that may be, where you are or wherever God calls you to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So Acts, the, the book of Acts, is that bridge. If you're visiting with us today, kind of going to give a background to this real quick. Acts is that bridge between the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the story of the life of Jesus, essentially, right? And how he came, how he lived a a sinless life, and how he died a death he didn't deserve on our behalf, right? So that we may be saved. And he, he, he bridges that story to all the, the letters, essentially, of the church to the church and the story of Revelation, all those letters, uh, there's, there's a gap there. So Acts fits right in the middle, and it shows how it goes from Jesus to all these letters being sent and all these, uh, essentially, uh, directives that are given. Not necessarily directives, but uh, guidelines, signposts uh, in our journey of faith. Acts fits right in there. And it tells the story of Paul, of Peter, of how Christianity is not just for Jews, right? Salvation is not just for Jews. And we're right in, in the smack dab middle of uh, God, essentially, the love of God being opened up to everyone, not just this small sect of Jewish believers, but now God loves everyone. And he always did. But his joy in being, up in being in his presence is for everyone. So today, that's kind of where we're focusing. And uh, Acts chapter 11 tells that story. It kind of reviews, so I don't have to do a lot of a review, but it kind of reviews what we just went through, and then it shows the reaction. And this is pretty neat. So um, I'm going to read that. So Acts chapter 11, it'll be on our screen today as we... Uh, we're going to read some scripture here. Acts chapter 11. You guys come on out. Yeah, go ahead. Come on. Come on, guys. You can go in. Were you looking for your class? Yeah. Is Jamie not down there? Huh? Yeah, it's downstairs. Follow there. Follow there. There you go. Jamie's down there. No, you, you guys can all join in the same class. Tell them to all be together. There we go. All right, sorry. Acts chapter 11, so here we go. Let's look at this together. Gentile salvation. Kind of common for us today, but it was earth-shaking for Jewish believers. Here's what happens. The apostles and the brothers and sisters who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. When Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision parties criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men, and you ate with them. Peter began to explain to them step by step, I was in the town of Joppa praying, and I saw in a trance an object that resembled a large sheep coming down. 
being lowered by its four corners from heaven. And it came to me. When I looked closely and considered it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth, the wild beasts, the reptiles, and the birds of the sky. I also heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, I said, for nothing impure or richly unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice answered from heaven a second time, What God has made clean, you must not call impure. Now this happened three times and everything was drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men who had been, been sent from Caesarea arrived at the house where they were. The Spirit told me to accompany them with no doubts at all. These six brothers also accompanied me and we went to the man's house. Okay, so this is a review of where we've kind of what we've looked at. Peter had seen these things and he's telling, uh, telling the, the Jewish men what had just happened because the, the story has been spread. And it continued here. He reported how he had seen the angel standing on his house and saying, Send to Joppa and, and call for Simon who is also named Peter. He will speak a message to you by which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came down on them. Just as on us at the beginning. I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift that he also gave to us when he believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, how could I possibly hinder God? When they heard this, they became silent and they glorified God saying, so then God has given repentance resulting in life, even to the Gentiles. Let's pray over God's word before we dive into it a little bit. God, today, thank you for, uh, for your word. Thank you for these words that we read that we know are more than ink on paper, Father, but they are divinely inspired words, words directly from you to us. So ultimately, help us to find application in your word. Help us to find practical application and principles in our life that can help guide us into being more righteous and more pleasing in our life to you. Father, as Christians, we strive to love you more and more and live a life more pleasing to you. So, God, today I pray that the Spirit directs everything that's said, that our hearts are prepared to receive what's said so that we can grow, ultimately so we can grow closer in our relationship with your Son, Jesus. We thank you for this and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So there's kind of the story we are today. Those 18 verses that we look at, starting with chapter 11, Peter just kind of previewed where we've been and shows a bit of the start of the response that the Jews um, have to what's being said. So if you're visiting today, I would tell you that uh, we uh, are preaching from this and studying from this expositionally. We're taking the scripture as it is, and we've gone straight through the entire scripture, verse by verse, and then we're pulling out kind of what um, God would have for us from it. And we're trying to find application for that. We're letting God's word lead and direct. So today we're doing just that. We're looking at the scripture and letting the scripture lead the discussion, not just the topic and throwing scripture in as it may fit, but letting God do the speaking. And the supports as we go. So uh, 
in, in preparation uh, for today, I was looking at uh, different ways that this would speak to us. And I came across this book, and uh, I really like it. It's, it's not a faith-based book, but it's a book uh, that was written about 30 years ago. It's more of a life application book, life growth book, right? Those, uh, those books, if you go into a bookstore, that there's this section that's uh, essentially devoted to books to how to make you a better person. A better person in, in your career, a better person in your relationships, a better person mentally, spiritually, what have you. And there's tons of them. Well, this book is devoted to creativity, how to make you a more creative person. And the book is called A Whack on the Side of the Head. Um, it was written about 30 years ago by a man named Roger Von Oeck. A Whack on the Side of the Head. And his principle in writing this book, it's not this novel-based book, it's basically different chunks of um, ways that we think about things, and he gives us a way to twist it around to make us think a little differently about those type of things. And it's more business-based or uh, career-based, that way uh, whatever you do in your career to make you think a little differently. And he ultimately says, sometimes it takes a whack on the side of your head to make you think about things differently. And I was talking to the kids about being hard-headed and stubborn, right? And uh, as adults, we probably see this more. Typically, as a wife would say to the husband, that hard-headed man, so on and so forth, and you literally want to whack them on the side of the head. This book's not promoting that. I'm not promoting that. But... A um, uh, sometimes it takes an eye-opening experience, I guess, for us to think differently, to change our thoughts that we've always had. Because what happens in life and anything we do is we bring our personal experiences to the table, our personal uh, preconceptions or misconceptions that we have, and we bring them to the table or whatever table we sit at. And especially in our relationship with Christ, and especially in Christianity and our faith, we bring our misconceptions with us. We bring our previous experiences with us, and our previous experiences always alter the reality of what the message is, of what the discussion is. In anything you do, not just in your relationship with Christ, in anything you do, your previous experiences alter what you receive. There's always that filter that's there with your previous experiences, whatever that may be. Let's say if you are a very uh, ethnocentric person where you, you base everyone else, uh, everyone else's ethnicity or everyone else's um, uh, identify who they identify as, right, based on who you are. And if they aren't like you, then ultimately something must be wrong with them because everything about me and everything I've been trained in, taught in, and everything I've, I've experienced has to be right. And that's the human side of things. If we take what we have 
and we, we judge everyone else outside of our little bubble, our little circle that's not like us. And I think, I think you could agree with that and you could find some personal application to that in our lives. We take our experiences where we are and we judge everything about it. If you have an agricultural background, right, and you've lived your life raising cattle and on a farm and, and, and doing all that, and then you come and you meet someone like me who's not had that, you're going to immediately think, that's not a fair way to say it, then I, we're not on the same level, right? We're different, and this, where's he been raised, right? That type of thing. Because I'm not. It doesn't have to be race or ethnicity based, but in this story, in this culture, Gentiles and Jews do not jive at all. And that's saying it lightly. In fact, the Jews despise any non-Jews, essentially Gentiles. Anyone that is, they are deemed unclean, not even worthy to be around. You're not going to just think less than them. You're going to treat them, act and respond that they are less than you. Because everything the Jews had ever been taught and everything they've ever experienced is that anything that is unclean you have to keep away. And if you don't keep those unclean things away from you, then you ultimately, they rub off on you essentially, and you become unclean. And you have to go through this long, trying exp uh, uh, um, uh, process to get clean yourself once you've become in touch or contact with them. So Peter, the guy we were talking about, he's a Jew. And he's just experienced God essentially whack him upside the head with this vision. He has never even allowed someone to have a face-to-face a -face conversation with him, him being a Gentile, him being a Jew, because he don't want to be in the presence of a non-believer or a, a non-Jew. But now God's saying, in this vision, all these different animals, these unclean animals, they're all the same and they're all okay. And I'm saying that they're good. Don't call anything not clean that I'm saying is clean. And God corrected him. And on his journey, right, back uh, to where Cornelius was in Joppa, on his journey there, he had this epiphany of sorts. He's realizing what I just saw had more meaning than just, I can eat anything. What I just saw, God is, is telling me that there is no division, there is no separation, there are no limits for the love of God. That God's love is for everyone. That's far uh, more ground-shaking than anything we really give it credit for today, that we really can compare it to. But a whack on the side of the head is essentially what Peter experienced. So let's look at this. Let's read this scripture one more time and look through it. I'm going to pause just a couple times, and we're going to let the word speak to us more, because what he's going to do for about the first 11 verses of this is he's just going to review so it'll give us a picture of what he's thinking, of what happened, 
And then you're going to see the response from the Jews saying, oh, so we're equal. It doesn't totally change everything, but there is this type of acceptance that ultimately starts to happen. So, verse 1. Let's, let's, let's see what God says here. The apostles and the brothers and sisters who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. I mean, this was huge, okay? This is spreading everywhere, and the first thing you're going to talk about is you're going to tell everybody you know what just happened, that Peter, the lead apostle, what he has done. I mean, it is, it, it, it's a huge event. Either you're offended or you're blown away that he would lead you in this way. Uh, verse 2, when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him. These are the Jewish Jewish of the Jews. Jewish is not a word, but that's all I can say. The most Jewish people, essentially. They are the ones that have fully committed uh, from birth, essentially, in their family, that they are raised in the tradition. They are so rooted in tradition that there's nothing that's going to sway them away from what they've always done. How dare anyone say anything different because we know that this is the way it should be. Or so our past experiences like to tell us. When Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men, and you ate with them. This was criticism. So it's a disgust that's there. Wait a minute. You're telling me that you went to uncircumcised men. You went to, Jew, to Gentiles, to non, non-Jews, the unclean, the impure, the nasty, dirty, less than people that we don't even associate, don't even make eye contact, and we ignore that they even exist. And you did, you ate with them. We've got to keep in mind that in this culture, eating with someone is the most inclusive um, way of taking fellowship with someone. Not just being with someone and spending some time with them, but once you share a meal with someone, once you break bread with someone, You are uh, expressing the ultimate level of fellowship with someone. So he just didn't kind of open his door. He just kind of didn't just walk in and talk to him. But he experienced true, ultimate fellowship with um, non-Jewish folk. This was so significant. So they're disgusted, essentially, in saying this. How dare you? What what is going on? And for them to speak to Peter like that is astounding anyway, because Peter is Peter. Peter is the the main man of the growth of the church at this time. He's like, he is the lead apostle. He's the one that experienced life with Jesus and everybody looked up to. Peter then began to explain what happened. I get it, right? I get it. I know you've always been taught this. I get it. So he told them step by step what happened. And here's what he said. I was in the town of Joppa praying. And I saw in a trance an object that resembled this large sheet coming down, being lowered by its four corners from heaven. And it came to me. When I looked closely, I considered it. I saw four-footed animals of the earth, the wild beasts, reptiles, and the birds of the sky. And I also heard a voice, a voice telling me, get up. Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, I said, 
He's proven to them that he's even telling God himself no. He said, no, for nothing impure, ritually unclean has ever entered my mouth. I've lived a great life according to Jewish tradition. I will never cross you. Maybe he thought in the back of his mind this was a test from God. And Peter, remembering Peter, the one that's aggressive, cutting people's ears off and telling God no and denying God three times. Remember that? No, for nothing impure, ritually unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice answered from heaven a second time. What God has made clean, you must not call impure. And this happened three times. And everything again was then drawn up into heaven. Peter denied him three times. And God had to correct him three times. And ultimately, Peter realizes what God says. At that very moment when that happened, it's a God thing. As soon as that happened and the sheet had been raised up into heaven, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where they were. The Spirit told me to accompany them with no doubts at all. We've talked about this, but for him to go with these random men is questionable in itself. To go with them with no doubts at all. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we went into the man's house. They went into Cornelius' house. He reported to us, how he had seen the angel standing in the house and saying, Send to Joppa and call for Simon, who is also named Peter. He will speak a message to you by which you and all your household will be saved. And in Cornelius doing that, he had his entire household and everybody he knew and loved essentially there in his house waiting for Peter to come and arrive. He was committed. He believed what the angel had told him. He'd sent those people to go get Peter. And Peter coming back is a, a very odds or against it kind of thing. But he trusted it anyway. And he had his whole house there waiting on him. And what happens is I began to speak. Not as I preached a three-hour sermon, right? But as I began to speak, the Spirit moved right then and there. The Spirit came down on them. The Holy Spirit came down on them. Just as on us at the beginning. Now this is huge. Okay. I remember the word of our Lord and how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This essentially was the, the stamp of approval that God shows to the Gentiles. For the non-Jewish people. Right? Us. This includes us, the Gentiles. Right? This is God's stamp of approval that he would send the Holy Spirit down on him. The approval of his ministry to the Gentiles. How in the world could those believing Jews say, no, that wasn't God. No, this is, you're just, listen, it's just a coincidence that all this happened. Whenever they had evidence and Peter who would not stretch the truth to them told them that God, God shared his spirit and then they would come down and overcome them just as it did in the beginning. Remember? In the very uh, beginning as, a, as God's spirit, it was promised and they were in the upper room praying and the spirit came upon all of them. This is the same exact approval and overwhelming uh, presence of God in their lives. So that happens 
The Jews are like, okay, something's going on here bigger than ourselves. And that happened if then, verse 17, God gave them the same gift that he also gave us when he believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. How in the world could I possibly hinder God? How could I deny God? How could I step in the way of God's decision? I can't persuade God to make a different decision. And saying this and looking at this, we often try to persuade God uh, in a different direction instead of allowing God to persuade us. And that's where that hard-headed thing comes in, right? The hard-headedness argument always, most often happens whenever an argument's going on. And you know you're right. But that other person's just being awful hard-headed and they're not going to change their opinion. Even if something crazy happened. They're just not going to change their opinion because they're so stinking hard-headed. But they had every right to be hard-headed because that's all they've ever known their entire life. So they had proof. They had proof of this. So when they heard this, they became silent. Verse, six, or verse 18. This is our last verse. When they heard this, when these Jewish people, the Jewest of the Jews, the most rooted people in tradition, in, in, in Old Testament Jewish law, when they heard this, they became silent. They had no response. Now, when you're in an argument, usually, men, if you, if you get no response, it's a bad sign. Okay? That silent treatment's the worst thing that could happen. But in this, they became silent because their argument was over. They were convinced. They were convinced that God is in the middle of this. And this is a God thing and not just a Peter being crazy thing. This is a God thing. And so they glorified God. Not only did they say, I guess we'll give it some time. But they said they gave God the glory and they glorified God and said, So then, God has given repentance resulting in life. Even, not just for everyone. They could have said, God has given repentance resulting in life for everybody. But they said, even to the Gentiles. We're here and the Gentiles are scraping the bottom. If they even deserve to be called anything on our list. God's love stretches to every person, regardless. God's love stretches to every person. No matter how broken, how unworthy, where you think you might fall in societal's leveling system. No matter, God's love reaches even you. This is such a powerful passage, church. Such a powerful passage that demonstrates the, 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 limitness, or the limitless power of God's love. And it's amazing to see this. And for us to go back, we can realize that God's sovereignty, God is everywhere, God loves everyone. But I want us to go back to the very beginning of what we said as Brock comes up. And uh, we're going to close in just a bit. We're going to finish up with a song here, and then we're going to do our have communion together. Um, we bring this wrong thinking that I was just speaking of into our Christian lives. 
with this hard-headedness that we have, that God's love is designated for a certain kind of people, a certain group of people, that I have to work harder to get on the level of God even considering to give me time. That I have to try harder, that I'm just not ready right now for God's love. I'm just not ready. In time, now's not a good time. You know, I, I start going to church later on. I got to get things, I got to get my life figured out first. And then I'll figure out how to get church in the process there. Because God just, I'm not good enough yet. And that's what we bring into, into our lives, into our Christian life. But what we have to realize is there's never going to be a good time. For all, all times are the right time. So in your life right now, if you're saying, God, is, God, I'm just not ready yet. I'm not good enough yet. Realize that what we see here is a God of limitless love, of limitless power that is broken and is as hurting, as unworthy as you may feel. That God's love even for you. Even for this song that uh, Rockfield leads is, is a new song, but it is so powerful. So powerful. Uh, if you want, you can sing along if you know it, and sing along. The words will be on the screen, but you can just read along if you would. And listen to the, to the power uh, of this, but remind yourself, I don't have to be good enough. For Jesus died for me. Jesus Bridge that gap of my brokenness and his limitless love because of Jesus. I love because of his love, we are worthy. And it is through Jesus. And only Jesus. Let's stand together and let's worship.